And I'd like to invite the rest of you to open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of 1 John. We'll be in chapter 3 this morning. So if you're using one of the Bibles we provided, uh, it's page uh, 1022, uh, John, 1 John chapter 3. We'll start in verse 4 today. And uh, as you turn there, I just want to give a couple of thank yous to uh, all of you. So uh, yesterday we uh, met in the afternoon here, 1 o'clock on the front steps of the theater and uh, pulled together uh, food and stuffed them into bags, then coupled that with a turkey and went to 115 families around Medford to give them a Thanksgiving meal for this holiday season. And so it was an amazing time to come together to serve uh, our community, to brighten uh, families' holidays uh, just through a simple act of kindness. So uh, whether you gave uh, $25 to provide that, whether you prayed for that, or whether you were there uh, yesterday, thank you uh, for serving. And I just want to give it up for, for everyone that contributed, um, as well as Pastor John Chastain, who oversaw all of that, but, but, but especially Alex Woodyard, who was our event leader for our Thanksgiving meal giveaway. Can we just all give it up for everyone that participated? Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm so thankful for what God is doing in and through our church. And uh, it's all, it's all a, just a work of his grace, right? We are who we are by his grace and his love. So let's pray together, and then we're going to jump right in to 1 John chapter 3. Father, we are grateful. We are grateful for how your love is changing us. Lord, for how your love compels us to love others and to serve others. Lord, we thank you for a community like Medford that we can live in, that we can share your love in. And we pray for each one of these 115 families. God, we pray that they would have a wonderful time together, that, that the, the, their, just their family time, their conversations, uh, just the, the food, that everything would be just right, that they would have uh, wonderful conversations and, and, and just a great meal together. Uh, Lord, and we even pray that as they enjoy that, that they would remember, hey, there are some people that care about us at this place known as Redemption Hill. Um, so God, would you only increase and multiply our efforts to love and serve those around us, uh, whether that's as we are just going about our personal individual lives or we're doing that together in groups or as an entire church family. Uh, we want to be a church that's known for our love, our love for one another, and most of all, our love for you. So God, thank you for how you've done that, and you've shed your love abroad in our hearts um, by your spirit, and we pray that you would continue to do that now as we open your word, as we hear from you today uh, in this little letter known as First John. We pray in the name of Christ, amen. Well, one of the things that I love about being a parent most of the time is that we get to journey with our kids in what they are learning at their school, okay? So um, we now have a third grader, a first grader, and one that's making her way up into, you know, the elementary ranks. Jordan's three and a half. She'll get there uh, soon enough. But uh, Parker last year, she was really fascinating. This blows my mind, okay? Um, first and second graders at the Brooks Elementary School are already learning Italian. Whoa. Like, I mean, I didn't even start taking a foreign language until middle school, and here they are in second grade starting to learn Italian. Pretty cool. Well, uh, as they were learning Italian, they were learning about the history and culture of Italy. And Parker became fascinated by Mount Vesuvius. 
and volcanoes. And you may be familiar with the, the story of Mount Vesuvius uh, exploding and interrupting and, and then the volcanic ash, up to 13 to 20 feet of volcanic ash absolutely covered the ancient city of Pompeii, which was just discovered. Um, goodness, I don't know the history, not, not that long ago, am I right? Like the past couple few centuries, is that right? Thank you. Okay, see, Parker would have known that. I'm just still learning. Um, but, but just amazing, the, 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 the discovery of that ancient city that was so much preserved because no heat or, or water or, 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 or air got to uh, that ancient city because of all of the ash. And so volcanoes can be an absolutely powerful and destructive force And at the same time, they can be, if if we are, you know, everyone is safe and everyone is secure. I think volcanoes can also be a very beautiful, a very beautiful, um, you know, reality, a very beautiful picture, okay? And I I don't know, just, if you're like me, um, anytime you can gather around a campfire, anyone, just like anytime you can gather around a campfire, I don't know, but I just find myself not only enjoying the conversation around the fire, maybe roasting some marshmallows, whatever, but I love just to stare at those flames, I mean, flames are just, there's something beautiful about fire, and this is true also of lava as it flows down. And so I want to show you a picture of what is known as a crack network that formed in the crust of molten lava. Look at this picture. Amazing to see this crack network. And if you look carefully, I want you to look carefully at this picture. What you'll notice is there is a pattern that you can see here in this picture of this this crust network. And and how how this happens is as the lava solidifies, as the lava solidifies, it cools from the top, generating patterns of cracks due to thermal shrinkage. All right, now since we're all getting educated this morning, all right, this one's for the scientists out there, all right, uh, our friends at Chemacool, all right, yes, that's a website, Kema, C-O-O-L, all right? Kema, cool. Um, they, they talk about thermal shrinkage in this way, and then this is like technology that's related to our, our TVs, flat screens, okay? Um, scientists, don't hate on me. Correct me if I'm wrong later, all right? I didn't, you know, go extensively into my research here. Uh, but, but listen to this description, because I'm just trying to educate everyone around here, all right? Thermal shrinkage in flat panel display substrates... The shrinkage of a substrate caused by a relaxation of thermal stress and the structure changes that occur when the substrate is heat-treated along with specific thermal profile, all right? And, and then they get into this equation. It's crazy, right? Usually, thermal is described with L, slash, forward slash, okay? Uh, superscript L, I think that's a zero uh, down there under a subscript, where L is the amount of change and shown as L equals superscript L, sub, subscript zero or O, uh, minus L, period, and that's all I'm going to give you, okay? So that is, that is thermal shrinkage, all right? Is everyone up to speed on that now? Everyone? Man, I'm just trying to serve you here today, you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to do my best. Okay, this is, this is what I can understand, all right? This is what I can understand. Materials will either expand, typically, when the temperatures rise, or they will shrink when the temperatures cool. Now we're on the same page. So, so like, uh, anyone had a tire light come on? 
you know, like the tire pressure light in your vehicle because the temperatures are starting to drop. Okay, if you haven't, just wait, all right? If your car kind of shows you that, it's a completely annoying, but it's helpful, right? Because we need to go put air in our tires. That's the idea of thermal shrinkage. And, um, and that is what's going on here with this crack network. The, the lava, as it hits the surface and the air comes, it starts to cool it, but it does it in such a way that this beautiful pattern is created on the surface. Now, I wanted to put this picture into your mind of this beautiful pattern because God wants to orchestrate together. He wants to design a beautiful pattern in each one of our lives. God wants to take the heat of his love and the cool winds of his mercy and grace, and he wants to create a pattern, and he wants that pattern to look like Jesus. That is what John is talking about here in 1 John chapter 3. He says that he wants the pattern of our life. He uses this word practice six times in seven verses. He wants the practice of our life that would create a pattern of our life to reflect what we see in the pattern of the way Jesus lived his life. And this is nothing new for John. In fact, if we backed up to last week's sermon, we would remember in verse 29, he says that those who are born of God practice righteousness. That's the pattern of their lives. We could back up to the first part of chapter two, and we would see that, hey, you are to follow the righteous one. And as you follow the righteous one, his name is Jesus, then you will follow in his radiant steps. Chapter two, verse six. Or we could back up to chapter 1 where it says, walk in the light as he is in the light. And why is that? Well, it's because verse 5 of chapter 1 said that God is light. So, so the pattern of our life is one where we are increasingly looking like Jesus as we follow him. And so as we dive into this passage this morning, I just want to encourage you to ask yourself this one question, okay? Okay. What does the pattern of your life reveal about you? What does the pattern of your life reveal about you? Let's read these verses together. You can follow along as I read them for us. Verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he, Jesus, he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him, there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who the children of God are, and who, the children of, who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. 
as we ask this question, what does the pattern of your life reveal about you? I have three hopes for all of us. And these hopes may not be realized in this instant. You may say, hey, you're hoping something that is not yet true of me, but my hope is that even if the current hope that is not true of you today, that it would become true of you even today as we're considering these truths that God has given to us, that God wants us to be able to follow in this pattern. And here are just the three hopes that I have for you in light of this question, okay? Uh, Number one, I hope, I hope that you have forsaken the destructive pattern of sin. I hope that you have forsaken the destructive pattern of sin. With these words, John helps us understand what characterizes sin. We see in verse 4, he begins by saying very plainly, okay, this is characteristic of sin. Sin is lawlessness. And, And the word here means to be against the law. Okay, and for someone to be against the law, all right, um, they are against the law giver, all right? This is, you know, I think it's pretty logical. Okay, God has given us his instructions, his commands, and the person that is against those instructions and against those commands, they are against God himself. And, and don't, don't miss this, okay? When God gives us instructions, okay? That's what the word law means in the Old Testament Torah. It's God's instructions for us, all right? Um, We we hear law and we hear some kind of heavy-handed, you know, restrictive. Listen, yes, there are some things that God does not want us to do, but there are also many things that God wants us to do. And so the the lawless one, okay, they, they make the pattern of their life a practice of going against or uh, pushing God's instructions to the side, so that they can live life however they want to live. And I think it's helpful with this idea of God giving us instructions, giving us laws to keep, is that these are really guardrails for our lives. Think about about what a guardrail does. A guardrail keeps us in the lane of God's flourishing. So so it doesn't matter if the Bible is talking about sex, if the Bible is talking about how we talk, if the Bible is talking about our everyday punch-the-clock work lives, okay? It doesn't matter what the Bible is speaking about. Whenever the Bible speaks, whenever God gives us an instruction, it is for our good to keep us in these lanes of thriving and flourishing in the world that he has designed for us to live in. And so the lawless one removes God's guardrails, which is, if I can be blunt, the best way to drive off the cliff. Sin is lawlessness, and sin is deceitful. Sin is deceitful, okay? Hebrews 3 is such an awesome verse. It's so positive, all right? Uh, if that was hard for you to hear, this will be easy for you to hear, okay? Until so we get to the last part, but, but it says, encourage one another. We all need some encouragement. We all like to be encouraged. Hopefully, we like to give some encouragement, okay? It says, encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, makes it super clear, like, hey, in case you missed, like, the daily part, like, if it's called today, today is today, um, then encourage one another. But why, why should we do that? It's so that you will not be hardened on the inside by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is not only lawlessness. Sin is deceitful. In other words, sin, the, the wrong things that, that we want to do that are contrary to God's expectations for us, okay, Sin makes wrong look right, makes that which should be 
undesirable, completely attractive and desirable. And are you ready for this? And it helps us forget the consequences of our sin. And listen, there are always consequences to our sin. Surely you've discovered this in your life. When you've deviated from God's plans, when you've missed the mark, when you've continued this pattern of not living according to God's design, you know that there are some very grievous consequences that follow. And so this is where we, we see in, in 1 John chapter 3, it's actually not, not just the idea that sin is deceitful, but we should then expect that sinful people are deceivers. This is what he says in verse 7, right? Little children, speaking affectionately, speaking of, of those that he probably had some measure of influence in bringing them to faith in Christ. He says, hey, little children, let no one deceive you. He says, whoever practices righteousness is righteousness. Let no one deceive you. So, so this is how it works, okay? This is how false teachers, and perhaps you've even had these views before, and, and I'm just like trying to be a, not a false teacher, but a true teacher and help us all understand that we need to think rightly about, about sin. So, so what do if, what if false teachers say? What are, what are those who would maybe deceive us say about sin? Well, here's just a few, and you maybe, you maybe not thought this to, and shared it with other people, but you've essentially thought it yourself and followed suit, okay? Number one, hey, sin, uh, that's not a big deal. <laughs> Come on now, man. That, that one little sin, no big deal. There are a lot more worse people in life than I am. So, you know, um, we can just kind of sweep that to the side. Hey, you know what? Man, God is love. God is forgiving. God doesn't care about that sin, that God is not grieved. God is not grieved by your sin. Hey, you know what? That not, may not be right for you, but it's right for me. And if I can just remind you of the words of Peter Berger, okay, sociologist, sociologist at Boston University, um, he says about relativism, relativism is like, it's good for you, but it, it's not good for me, okay, it's like, there's morality, is, is not, there's not absolute uh, right and wrong, but there's just like, if, it, if it's good for you, then go for it, kind of mentality. Berger says relativity relativizes itself all the way down, right? I mean, just that very statement is a self-defeating statement, like, you can't have it both ways, And then here's another one. People are not that bad. In fact, people are inherently good. Have you, have you ever thought this? Have you ever heard this? Have you ever turned on morning talk shows or afternoon, you know, talk shows? This is the, this is the pop psychology of our day. Hey, man, people aren't that bad. People are good. Well, listen, people do good things. I think most all people at some points do what we would consider, okay, good things. Now, we should pause and ask ourselves, okay, and this one's like, think about this. Um, is it good if it's not done for God? Hmm. But, but, but even just, you know, people who don't believe in God or love God or live their lives for God, uh, we see them doing kind things, serving others, and we applaud that, right? We can rejoice in that, and that is actually, this is, a, this is a really important question, right? Because we try to reconcile this. Like, sometimes we see people who don't follow Jesus living more like Jesus than we live like him some days and some weeks, right? And so, like, how do we reconcile that? Well, you know, God 
has given us all what is known as common grace. We're all made in his image. We all have a moral capacity. God has given us everyone a conscience so that we can differentiate between right and wrong. And so we should expect that people who don't follow God still do good things, all right, that we would consider good. But at the same time, the Bible says that we are sinful, even sinful from birth. Let no one deceive you. Sin is a big deal. Sin does grieve God. There are consequences to our sin. There is right and wrong. And we need to pay attention to what God says because here's here's an issue. Here's a problem. Here's a lie. Here's Here's a deception. There's no one out there trying to deceive you. Of course there is. There is a king of deception. His name is the devil. His name is Satan. He is the arch enemy of God. And this is, I mean, John just makes it so, so, like, in our face, right? Like, crystal clear. Um, If you are practicing righteousness, you are born of God, you belong to God. If you are making the pattern of your life this destructive pattern of sin, then the conclusion is you belong to Satan. You're on his team. You are serving his purposes in the world. And listen, I know that may sound kind of like, whoa, (laughs) Ouch. But, 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 but Jesus was, was really clear about that, this, and this is why John is very clear about this, okay? You are either living for God and loving him, or you are not living for him and you are against him. You can't, we can't have it both ways. And maybe someone needed to hear that today. Maybe someone's just like, you know, I never have thought about that if I'm not practicing righteousness, if the consistent pattern of my life is not increasingly looking like Jesus, then maybe I am, in fact, against God and following the ways of this world, which are the ways of the evil one. So let me just, let me just unpack this, all right? Verse 8, look back at verse 8. This is, where, this is where this comes from. Whoever makes a practice of sinning, you see this, is of the devil, is of the devil. And so how is it, all right, how is it that John could say, if we, like, yeah, we just, we blew it. Man, yeah, I'm not, I don't really care about God, but how, how does that then equate me with someone who belongs to Satan? Okay, let's just learn a little bit about Satan, a little bit about the devil. Who is he? Isaiah 14 is probably one of the clearest statements that most scholars would say, hey, this is talking about the devil. This is talking about the the one who fell from grace and rebelled against God, a fallen angel, and led others to follow him, to uh, oppose God in the very beginning. This is what it says about him. Oh, you are fallen, how you are fallen from heaven. Oh, day star, son of dawn. You said in your heart, listen to this, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Listen, I will make myself like the most high. That, that, that right there, that was, that is the aim of the devil, the evil one. And you say, well, Tanner, like, how does that then match up with my life? This is how. And this is how it has matched up with my life. Like whenever I deviate from God's plans, essentially there is this idea of pride, 
Okay? In other words, like elevation of myself above God and his ways. So what we're saying when we rebel against God's ways is, hey, God, I've got this. I know best. I'm at the center. I want to receive the, the praise that is due your name. And so what, what, what the essence of sin is, is pride and self-ascension. God, you don't, you don't want what's best for me. You don't know what's best for me. I'm not going to trust in your wisdom. I'm going to trust in my own wisdom. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. I've got this. I'm not going to live for you. I'm not going to worship you. I'm not going to love you in these moments. And so John's great concern here is to help people see, hey, if the pattern of your life, and listen, the funny thing here, like I know as I'm sharing all these, these, these truths about sin being lawless and deceitful and following the kingdom of darkness, okay, like I know some of you are thinking like, man, I have sin in my life, and whoa, maybe I belong to this kingdom even though I've trusted in Jesus and I'm seeking to live for Jesus. Okay, so we're going to get into this a little bit more, but, but, but here's the idea, okay, is that the pattern, the, the consistent pattern of someone's life is characterized by sin and doing their own thing, not characterized by a desire to live for Jesus and looking increasingly like Jesus. Do you, do you hear that? Do you get that? It's not that a Christian is never going to sin. It's just that a, that a Christian is not going to continue to seek out that kind of lifestyle. And when we blow it, what we do is what we did in the very beginning, say, hey, God, I am sorry. I admit that I went my own way. I need you to forgive me and cleanse me from that, and I'm going to keep marching forward with you and for you. That's what a Christian does. But, but John is saying, look, someone that is practicing this kind of life, they are the ones that, that all of this is true. So my hope for you, my hope, for my friends and, and those that I love and I'm trying to share Jesus with is that they would forsake the destructive pattern of sin. And how do we do that? How, how do we do that? John, John shares right here. The, the second hope is this, is that we have accepted the saving, devil-destroying work of Jesus. All right? We have accepted the saving, devil-destroying work of Jesus. Okay, there, there are two statements here in this passage, all right, that make very clear why Jesus came into the world. We just sang about it earlier this morning, okay? You can go back and look at the lyrics, and it's all up in there, all right? Jesus came, and this is what's really good about Christmas, okay? When we celebrate Christmas, we are celebrating why Jesus appeared. He appeared to take away sin and destroy the works of the devil. That's why he appeared. So let's just cover both of them, okay? Number one, the reason the eternal son of God became a human being in the form of a baby uh, who was born of a virgin named Mary is so that he could take away our sin. He came because we all, okay, we all lived in point one of the sermon, okay? Like no one is exempt from point one of the sermon, okay? That was either your life uh, back in the day, or that is your life today, okay, the Bible is very clear. We have all sinned, and we fall sh short of God's standard. We fall, fall short of the glory of God. And so everyone has lived a point one kind of life. You hear what I'm saying? We've all been in that destructive pattern of sin. And so therefore, we all need a Savior to come in and deal with our sin that separated us from God. 
And so let me just be very clear on three fronts when it comes to this idea of Jesus coming to be our Savior, okay? Number one, this is so good. Death met its match in the death of Christ. All right, did you hear that? Like, death met its match in the death of Christ. Now, now how is that? When Jesus died... He, died, he was born to die, all right? So we, we can't think about Christmas without thinking about the cross and Easter, all right? And the whole, the whole package of the good news of Jesus Christ, okay? So when Jesus showed up, okay, he showed up to take away our sin. The way that he took away our sin is by dying on a Roman cross. And in those moments, as Jesus was hanging there, the, the Bible tells us that he who knew no sin, this is, this is 2 Corinthians 5.21, one of my favorites. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He took on my sin and your sin on the cross so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so when Jesus died there, he died as, the, it says it right here in verse 5, you know that he appeared to take away sins and in him there is no sin. There, Jesus had to be sinless. All right, let's not be deceived. Can I just go on some more deceptions here this morning since we're all having a good time? Thank you. All right, Jesus was sinless. That is not what we might call a throwaway doctrine. You know what I'm saying? A throwaway teaching. Like we can still have Christianity if Jesus may have blown it a time or two, okay? We do not have Christianity if Jesus blew it a time or two. Do the math, do the log. If Jesus sinned, light bulbs, he would have needed a savior. He would have needed someone to save him. He wouldn't have been the perfect sacrifice for our sin. But yet, listen to this, yet Jesus, who was the eternal son of God, became man, okay, because we needed someone who was perfect. God alone is perfect, okay, We needed God to become man so that he could do what we couldn't do for ourselves. Anselm was uh, an 11th century pastor, theologian. He said it so well. He said, this debt that we owe to God, this debt for our sin, was so great that while man alone owed it, only God could pay it. And so that's why Jesus showed up to pay our debt, to do away with our sin, so that as we look to him, as we trust in him, we might have his life. Okay, we might have his, he takes our sin, he gives us his righteousness. He takes our death, you remember that life? There's no, sin's not a big deal. There are no consequences of sin. Like, hey, sin leads to death. That's the consequences of sin. We needed Jesus to take our consequences. We needed Jesus to die so that we could have life. And so the second thing that I want to make very clear, okay, is not only that death met its match in the death of Christ, okay, but this was a death for, okay, italicize this in your mind, all right, bold it in your mind, underline it, highlight it, okay, this was a death for our sin, for, put a Y on it, your sin, this is not a generic death, all right? This is not like Jesus is kind of making something kind of possible, you know what I'm saying? Like, this was a death that we all personally needed. We needed Jesus to do that for us. 
Which leads me to the third consideration is this, that, that every person must accept his sacrifice for them. If, if you've never said, hey, I have a major problem, if you've never said, hey, I've lived life without regard for God's boundaries and guardrails and restrictions, and I've gone my own way, and I've reflected Satan in the way that I've lived, I've, I've wanted to be on the throne, I've wanted to do my own thing, I have done my own thing, I have gone my own way. If you have not admitted that, which, and then seen your need for God to bring uh, you back to him through Christ, our one mediator, okay? If you've never come to that place, then today, listen, today I'm talking about right now. What time is it? It's 11.23. Why not? What's stopping you? What's stopping you from taking that step? I admit that I've done wrong. I admit that I've blown it. I admit that I didn't want you. I didn't want to live for you, God. But, but even in spite of how I have Turn my back on you and spit in your face. Can we be real this morning? When I spit in your face, God, you still love me. You still love me enough to send your son to die for me. I can't get over that. I can't get over that kind of love. I want in on that. If you need to say that to God, would you, would you just do that today? Don't, don't wait. Jesus appeared to take away sin and Jesus appeared to destroy the work of the devil. And so I need to speed up because I'm getting preachy. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting preachy up here, and I need to speed up. All right, but, but, but listen, when Jesus appeared to destroy the works of the devil, um, he, he, uh, here's a thought. I love this one. You ready for this? Can we get some ornaments? Can we get some ornaments this Christmas that have Jesus with his foot on the neck of Satan? Come on, where, where are those ornaments? Where's the serpent with his head crushed with the heel of Jesus? Like, that's why he appeared. And if you think this is like preacher hyperbolic talk, all right, just go around our city and see all of the brokenness. See all of the addictions. See all of the failed marriages. See all of the depression. It matters. The kingdom of darkness is real, as is the kingdom of light. When Jesus came on the scene, do you know what the first words out of his mouth were in his public ministry? Thank you, I'm gonna tell you. Repent for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's near. And the reason that Jesus could say is because Jesus was bringing it to us. He was ushering it in so that when Jesus showed up, listen, blind people could physically see and the spiritually blind could have spiritual sight. Amazing, that's the kingdom of light. That's the kingdom of God. Lame were walking, deaf were hearing. People who were physically and spiritually oppressed, they began to be set free. Put that ornament on your tree. It's good news. The thief came to steal and kill and destroy, but Jesus came that we might have light and life. We need this saving, devil-destroying work of Christ in our life. And then this is, this is what then enables us, okay? This is what then enables us to fulfill this third hope that I have for you today, all right? Not just to forsake the destructive pattern of sin, nor just to accept the 
sin and Satan-destroying work of Jesus, okay, but then to actually abide in the pattern of Jesus' righteousness. Wow, there's so much in this little, little section. Only seven verses. Look at verse six. No one who abides in him. This is talking about Jesus. Like anyone who, who stays connected to Jesus, anyone who, 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 who dwells with him, no, no, no one who is abiding in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. In other words, it's John's way of saying like they've never really been changed. They've never really seen him truly. And once we, because once you see Jesus truly, okay, then he is going to change us, all right? And so, and then he goes on to say, look, whoever prizes righteous is righteous as he is righteous. And so again, Jesus, uh, John is talking about the way that, that we live our life, the pattern of our life. Ask yourself what the pattern of your life looks like. The goal is that it increasingly looks like Jesus. And what's really essential here, okay, and hopefully this will maybe clear up even some of the confusion from earlier when I was talking about, man, you may be wrestling with, hey, where am I? And I'm still sinning, and I don't always look like Jesus. What do I do with that? Okay, we need to understand the difference between, ready for these theological words that are in the Bible, justification and sanctification, all right? Let me just put on my teacher hat for a second, okay? Justification is us being made righteous or counted righteous or declared righteous, all right? This is a one-time, it's a, it's a legal term, okay? So this is, this is us being counted righteousness through, okay, the imputed righteousness of Jesus, okay? Imputation just means that it has been transferred to us. So you remember the cross, I was talking about the exchange. Jesus takes our sin, and in exchange for our sin, he gives us his righteousness, okay? We get the good end of the deal, by the way. That's really good news, right? So Jesus gives us his righteousness, and we now, as God looks at us, he says, hey, they are in a right standing with me. They belong to me. They are saved from the penalty of their sin. So, so the, this, the idea that sin has consequences, that sin leads to death, we don't have to pay that penalty because that penalty was already paid for us by Jesus. That's really good news. We're justified in Christ through faith in him. And so again, that's why I ask you, if you've never put your faith in Christ, don't wait, do it today. If you didn't do it at 1123, it's 1129 now. Come on, don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. Come on, I mean, I'm serious. If you need to do that, 1129, do it. So that God would justify you. Now, once God justifies someone and he counts us righteous, then what we are doing now in Christ is that we are becoming more like Christ. We are being made righteous. It's not a one-time act. It is an ongoing, progressive work of God by which he is making us more like Christ through the empowering presence of Christ in our lives. And so... This is what God wants for us. We often talk about it as a miracle. Isn't it a miracle that, that God would make us like Jesus? And so listen, no matter where you are today, if you just started to follow Jesus or you've been following Jesus for a long time, but your life doesn't really look a lot like him right now, but you're still like taking baby steps and growing at a slow, like no matter where we are, God wants to take us deeper and further and higher in our relationship with him. Now, it's not easy. 
There's plenty of opposition. We have an enemy, right? There's plenty of, uh, of difficulty. Uh, there's plenty of temptation along the way. But God made us for this. God made us to day by day, moment by moment, step into the steps of Christ. And we have, listen to this, I think in this passage alone, in these seven verses alone, we have all of the motivation that we need to live a righteous life, to live like Jesus, to practice it, to make that our pattern. You say, well, Tina, just talk to me for a second. Let me, just, let me just end with this, okay? We find our greatest motivation to live like Jesus in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, okay? So, so, so listen, find your passion for righteousness in the passion of Christ. Passion is a word that we refer to in the crucifixion, which just means suffering. It's a Latin word for suffering. And so look, when Jesus showed up and he lived a perfectly righteous life and he died for us, that should give us everything we need to be motivated to live for him. In light of his great love for us, how could we not love him in return? Extraordinary love produces extraordinary things. Did we not say that last week? Okay, so, so listen, this is, this, is, this is the difference maker, okay? This is the difference maker for us. God's commands become not a burden on our back, but something we actually want to do. God's commands cease being a list that is saying, hey, don't do this, that, or that, okay? And it becomes a thousand things that we get to do, that we want to do, because Jesus is in us, and he is giving us, are you ready for this, new desires, okay? We want, and we have new loves. We, we actually love to do what is right. I was thinking, like, let me get up and go serve God today. Let me make it to the Thanksgiving meal giveaway so I can stuff some bags with food to take the people who will really appreciate it. Let me give up a couple of hours to take care of someone's unruly kids. Come on now, that's funny. Um, <laughs> let me do it. I mean, like God's, God's, God's still working on your boy, all right? Pastors aren't perfect, thank you, all right? So just this week, I'm, I'm having the, like new desires, like fresh desires, like, God, let me tell someone about you today. Not like, oh, man, Jesus told me to do that. I got to do that. Huh? Let me tell someone about you. Let me walk in love today. Let me love my wife. Because this past week, man, I was, my speech wasn't always... Gentle like it should have been. You know, like, hey, pray for me. You know, like, we all have, pro it's, a, it's a work of progress, right? Like, man, if you don't think that sometimes I'm not slow to speak, I mean, I love to talk, right? So like, sometimes I'm not slow to speak. I'm quick to speak and, and, and slow to listen. But God, let me, do, let me do differently today. Let me do differently tomorrow. Let me keep your commands because your commands are good. You're a good father who gives me good commands to keep me in the lane of flourishing and thriving for your name. But God, you not only give me these new desires, God, you give me a new power to make it happen. He gives us everything that we need. This is why I keep saying abide in Jesus, remain in Jesus, abide in Jesus. 19 times in five chapters, abide in him, stay connected to him, dwell in him because as we do that, we have everything we need to live out this life of good works for our good God. And so listen, I don't know where you are today, but I'm going to invite our music team to come up. 
and I want just to, to challenge us. Listen, one of, our, one of our focus points for November as a church, and this is a great time of the year to really lock in on this, okay? Uh, in November, as we think about the invitational life, it was so cool, by the way, to see people, listen to this, this is how God moves, all right? People who were invited to Redemption Hill this year not only have been coming to Redemption Hill consistently on Sundays, but then they show up on Saturday afternoon and they bring friends with them to serve our city. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, now, now, what are we after? Radiating God's love through an act of service daily. And as we do that, listen, as we do that, what's going to happen? People are going to see the love of Christ in us. They're going to see what God's doing in us. And hopefully, just we're, as we're praying, God, help them to see you in us so that they will want you in their lives. And maybe, just maybe, I don't know if it's at work or in your neighborhood or doing some kind of good deed in this holiday season for those, like, I don't know what it might be, but listen, as you go out and you serve others, as you go out and you love others, it's so easy to say, look, hey, don't think that I'm great. I'm just trying to grow in my love for others because God has loved me. I'm just serving you because God has served me in Christ. So what I want to do is, is Dan and the team play. Listen, I just want to lead us in a time of prayer. I'm just going to pray a short prayer, and then I want you to pray. And I want you to turn over things in your heart to God. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's you crying out saying, God, I see where I am, and I need you. Change me and make me new. Help me to become a follower of Jesus today. Maybe that's you today. Or maybe it's you just saying, you know what, man, I haven't been practicing righteousness in this area of my life. God, forgive me and change me. And now, God, give me a new power the power that you've given to, to, to follow in your ways day by day. And so God, I just want to give you some space, just some space to, to talk to God before we sing to God. Lord, we ask that you would show us what we need to see about our hearts so that you would continue to change us. God, maybe you, you're, you're making someone new today. We pray that you would do it. God, surely you desire to change each one of us. And so, Father, would you do that too?